Hello, my name is Dusty Otis. Welcome to the Redefined Church Podcast. I'm so glad that you're taking part of your day to join us. My prayer for you is that this message would be meaningful to you, that it would challenge you, and that it would help you move forward in your faith. To be a part of all that we get to do here at Redefined Church, visit us online at churchredefined.com forward slash give. I hope you enjoy today's message. Stepping into part two of a series or a season called Holy, and we kind of made this an acronym, How to Live Every Day. We kind of took a few letters out of how to live every day and made it holy. And so last week we talked about the Holy Spirit and who He is. And today we're going to go a little bit deeper on that topic and really talk about the benefits of having God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit in you. And so you can go ahead and turn to John chapter 14 today. And as we do that, let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity, Lord, to come to you today on this special day where we get to honor mom. Lord, thank you that those of us who are sitting next to our mom might Put our hand on her shoulder, around her, Lord, give her special love and recognition and honor, respect today, Lord, for the sacrifice, for um, what she has given to us, Lord, what she gives to her house. We're thankful. Thank you for the moms who call Redefine Church home, Lord. I know they're scattered all over, and so just ask a special blessing on them today as we gather and uh, we learn about you. Thanks for opening our hands and our hearts today to receive, to understand who you are, to understand your word. I love you, and I just ask that you'd help me to get out of the way. So this word can be spoken, taught, shared effectively. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're a Bible uh, highlighter or if you're a note taker, I would encourage you to grab those. Get up on the edge of your seat and let's dive in. There's several scripture references today. If you're brand new today or you haven't been in a while, say hello. My wife, the mother of our house, is in the comment section. She'll be talking to you today. And so make sure you say hello. As we're talking about the Holy Spirit, I do want to jump back to the book of Acts really quickly and talk about, man, when you look at the first church and the first church, how the Holy Spirit changed everything in the church. And we're never going to get to that time. We're never going to like really live in that moment again. We, we pray, we believe we're going to see revival and a move of God like that happen. And we believe it's going to happen soon, but it's been 2000 years since then. And, and because it has been, most people are afraid of what the falling or the coming of the Holy Spirit on people uh, did then. We've, we've really taken it away from its original context. And so, and it's mainly because we made it about one thing as opposed to many things. We made it about one thing as a, in, instead of many gifts, if that makes sense. And so we're going to talk about those giftings in a few weeks. But this morning, I think I'm going to open with a question. And I just, the question that I have for you is, do you see, do you see, or is the Holy Spirit your God? Is the Holy Spirit your God? Sometimes I stink at taking long pauses here. And the reality is, is, is the 70% of people say, no, no, he's not. He's, he's, uh, he's, a, he's something, but he's not my God. And the reason that we would say that is because we've been taught wrong or we've misunderstood it or we've made it something that it's not. And this morning, we know what the Trinity is. We know that God, the Father, Jesus, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we understand that. We call, we, call the, we call the Father God, and we call the Son God. But when it comes to the Holy Spirit, we don't. We don't call, we, even though we know that it exists in the Trinity, that He exists in the Trinity. And so that proves something is off because the Holy Spirit is part of that ever-looping Trinity symbol, right? It's the Godhead. And the reality is, is he's more God to us because he's here. He's, he's in us. He reveals all things to us. This is the Holy Spirit. And so 
there are other things that would say, well, there are, there's, there's so many reasons why he's not a person. And there are entire theological persuasions that believe the Holy Spirit is not a person, but a force. It's a, it's a power or it's something that you have to connect to. And what you need to understand today is you must see him as a person. You must see the Holy Spirit as a person. You must see him as the third person of the Trinity. That's who he is. And because if you don't see him as a person, you'll never establish a personal relationship with him. Therefore, you'll live disconnected, right? You don't develop personal relationships with forces. You don't develop personal relationships with a power, right? A lot of people don't develop a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit because they see him as a force or a power. And a lot of that has to do with it with the name, right? The Holy Spirit. I can see um, Father, God. It's easy to think of God as the Father because that's who He is. It's easy to see and think of Jesus as the Son, as a person, because that's who He is. But when it comes to the Spirit, we don't think of Him. And I think it has a lot to do with His name. And so this is a simple analogy. If you'll bear with me for 30 seconds, I think this will help. What if, what if the Holy Spirit's name was not the Holy Spirit? What if his name was Charlie? Okay. I only know one Charlie. Charlie. If his name was Charlie, you could say, I'm, I'm going to go seek Charlie. I'm going to go seek Charlie's guidance on this. Right? I'm going to go pray with Charlie. I'm going to go consult with Charlie. I'm going to go listen to Charlie. I'm going to go sit with Charlie. I'm going to go talk to Charlie. If his name was Charlie we would grab a hold of it. But because he's a spirit, we have a hard time grasping that, right? And so if you would say, well, Charlie, that's kind of, that's kind of, it's not my style. I'm a little more formal, a little more formal. You could call him Charles, okay? Charles, totally okay. And if you say, you just went the other way. I'm a little more loose. I'm a little more laid back. I like my Charlies to be called Chuck. You call him Chuck. You could call him whatever you want, but if you see him as a name, and not a force, it would change everything. And you must, you must get to that point today because if you don't see him as a person, you'll never develop a personal relationship with him. And so what we need to realize and what may surprise you is the Holy Spirit is not his name. The Holy Spirit is not his name. It's his description. It's his description. It's his function in the Trinity. For example, God, the Father... His function is to be the Father. He's the Creator. God the Son, His function is to be the Son. He's the Savior. If you ask our kids right now, who created the world? God. Who saved the world? Jesus. Who lives inside of you? Holy Spirit. Just like that. God the Spirit, His function is to be the power and the authority of Christ in you. His name is God. The Holy Spirit's name is God. He dwells in us, He empowers us, He leads us, and He guides us in all truth. All truth is super important. All truth. Now, if you still like, well, Charlie, Charles, Chuck, God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Spirit, you're still unsure the Holy Spirit's a person, I want to show you four places in Scripture where you can see this for yourself, that these three, that these three are one, and that they are all persons, okay? And so then... 
Uh, these are all over the Bible. I'm just choosing these four because they, they stood out the most to me. This is what God revealed to me. This is what God put on my heart. And so if you look at John 14, 16, we're going to be the Amplified Bible again today, man. How it speaks to us is huge. It brings such clarity. And I will ask the Father, He will give you another helper. Helper being the Holy Spirit. What's a helper? Comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener. Stand by to be with you forever. What do you see here? And I, the Son, will ask the Father, God, and He will give you a helper. What you see here is Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all together, one scripture. You're going to fast forward 10 verses to John 14, 26. And here's what it says. But the helper, we know who He is now. The descriptors have been amazing the last two weeks. He is our comforter, our advocate, our intercessor, our counselor, our strengthener, our standby. The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. What do you see? The Holy Spirit, who the Father will send in my name, the Son. What do you see here? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all together, in my place, represent me and act on my behalf. He will teach you all things. He reveals all truth. He will teach you all things, and He will help you remember everything that I have told you. Fast forward one chapter, John 15, 26. This is all happening in the last 10 to 14 hours of Jesus' life, by the way, what I'm talking about today. But when the Helper, though you see Him again, comes whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the Spirit of truth, who comes from the Father, He will testify and bear witness about me. What do you see? What do you see? But when the Helper, the Holy Spirit, comes from whom I, the Son, will send from the Father. You see Father, Son, Holy Spirit all together here again. Now, let me show you one more place. But this place, all three are actually physically present. And we look over this. We look over this or... or Maybe we just see it from a distance. And what I want you to see is you see the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all physically present in one place. And many of us know this, but we've disconnected. And so I'm sharing this with you because it changed my life, because it changed when, when I actually read this for the first time and understood it was personal, it meant everything. It's Luke 3.22. This is out of the Amplified Bible. It's when Jesus got baptized. And when Jesus was baptized, it says the Holy Spirit descended on him. Holy Spirit, here we go, we see. The Holy Spirit descended on him, Jesus, in bodily form like a dove, and a voice from heaven. That's God. It says, you are my son, you're my beloved, and with you, I'm, and in you, I am well pleased. I'm delighted. And I think a lot of the times we stand back and we say, oh, yeah, like, like a spectator at an event. This is a really cool event, and I can picture all of this happening. And what you, what you want to see today is this is your story. That you are sitting in the, plea, in the place of the son or a daughter. You're the one getting baptized and dunked. You're the one the Holy Spirit comes on. You're the one that, that God says, I am delighted. I am well pleased. This is my son or my daughter. I call you by name. It's personal. And when we step into the seat the place of Jesus. And we see this more as my life as opposed to an event that we've witnessed. And because of this event, we can have this if we want it. No, this is who we're called to be. This is how we're called to live. And so what I hope, what I hope we're confirming today in these four scriptures is that the Holy Spirit is not a third wheel. He's not a tag along. He's not a plus one. The Holy Spirit is the one. One. And so the Father, Son, if you're, if you're taking notes, this is huge. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all defer 
to each other. They all defer to each other. It's never, it's not one, two, three. It's us together, one. And so the Father glorifies and magnifies the Son. The Son listens to and obeys, right? He does what the Father says. The Son also tells us the Holy Spirit is coming. The Holy Spirit is who leads us to Jesus. We don't know until the Holy Spirit reveals. The Holy Spirit leads us to Jesus and empowers us to live the promises of God. He's a person. The Holy Spirit is a person. So now that we've got to this, we're going to stamp that in. He's a person. What defines a person is someone who has a personality. It takes personality to be a person. We could dive into that. We're not going to. Because the theological definition of a person, a person has a soul. A person has a soul. There are a lot of groups out there that would tell you that there are plenty of other things that have a soul. From plants to animals to flags, okay? They don't. I'm sorry, they don't. The Bible is is the truth of that. A person has a soul. This is how you know the difference between people and objects, between people and plants, between people and flags. A person has a soul. People have a soul. And so according to Scripture, Scripture, the Bible, the unchanging universal truth that applies to every human being on the face of the planet, because of that, and because we human beings have done a lot of study, we've determined with Scripture that a soul is made up of three parts. Your mind, your will, and your emotions. And we're talking about how this connects to the Holy Spirit who is in you. The Holy Spirit's a person. He has a personality. He's made up of a mind, will, and emotions just like you. And so we think with our minds. We desire with our will. And we feel with our emotion. This is all stuff that's been taught to me. I'm just fortunate to get to share it with you with, with some extra, right? And so that said, that said, If you've kind of drifted on me, lock in with me. This is another big question. That said, what did I just say? We think with our minds. We desire with our wills. We feel with our emotions. The Holy Spirit is a person who has a personality. That said, do you believe that God gave you His Spirit so that you could think like God thinks? Desire what God desires and feel what God feels. You don't have to answer yes or no right now, but you should highlight, underline, screenshot, do something. Do you believe God gave you a spirit so that you, so that He, the Holy Spirit, could help us think like God thinks? Desire what God desires and feel what God feels. Because according to the Bible, which is the unchanging universal truth, if you call Jesus Savior, that person is living inside of you. So then if you want to know what God thinks about something, you literally have God living in you. He can tell you what God thinks because He's God. And He can tell you what God feels about it because He's God. And He can tell you what God desires about it because He's God. So then let's look at the first. We got three three kind of things we're diving into. It's the things of... It's the things of your um lost my place yeah soul it's the things of your soul and so three things we're looking into 
How do we know that the Holy Spirit has a mind? It's John 16, 13. This is the Amplified Bible. John 16, 13, mind. We have the mind of Christ. You guys, we, we all know that scripture, right? If you don't, it's amazing. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth, full and complete truth. For He will not speak on His own initiative, but He will speak whatever He hears from the Father, the message regarding the Son, and He will disclose to you what is to come in the future. Big question on this scripture is, how do you believe the Holy Spirit can guide you in all truth unless He knows all truth? He knows because He has all knowledge, because He's God, because He's a person. The Holy Spirit can guide you in all truth because He knows all truth, right? And so, why? Because God knows everything. We've never stopped to think about this. God will never think of nothing that He hasn't already thought of. He knows everything. So, one of the biggest benefits to the Holy Spirit having a mind is because is because He's the person who lives inside of you, which means you have somebody in you that knows everything about everything and has committed Himself to be your teacher. The biggest benefit means you have somebody living inside of you who knows everything about everything and He's committed Himself to be your teacher. This is incredible. Imagine if we all listened. Imagine if we listened. When you have the Holy Spirit in you, you have the person who has the answer to every question that can ever be asked living inside of you. The hang-up is this. We're never going to ask, right? We're never going to ask because we like to keep our way, right? We like to keep that distance. We like to keep control. The other hang-up is we don't ask because we don't believe He's a person. So the Holy Spirit can only be our teacher and only reveal and only remind if we allow. Remember, you don't get more of the Holy Spirit. You don't get more of God's Spirit. He gets more of you. When you believe, He's in there. So then we must be willing. Why? Philippians 2.5 Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. That is the Holy Spirit's mind that we're talking about in Philippians 2.5. You have it. You have it. Now, knowing that a soul is made up of three parts, a mind, we just talked about a will and emotion. We have the will and emotion left. It's God's will. It's God's will that we think like He thinks, desire what He desires, and feel what He feels. So let's look at how the Holy Spirit helps us determine what God desires. The person the Holy Spirit is Acts 16, verse 6. Now, they passed through several territories, and after being forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia, they were forbidden. Forbidden means what? Forbidden means to exercise your will. That's what forbidden means. And so, if you're a parent, you understand, you forbid your kids to do a lot of things you know are not good for them. They don't understand, they want to argue, and they want to fuss and fight and complain and nag and groan and all the stuff that, that comes with being... An amazing mom. <laughs> Sometimes mom have to pull the forbid card because we know what's best, right? Because you know what's best. And what you see in the scripture is in Acts 16, 16, is the Holy Spirit for, forbid them to speak there. What do you see? That means the Holy Spirit has a will. He has a will and his will is God's will. So this is a big time question here as we've talked about 
Um, as we've talked about the, the two first things, if and since he has a will, since he has a will, and his will is the will of God, and you would like to know God's will for your life, why not get to know him? Why not get to know him? Why not see him as the person he is and get to know him? Because if you want to know God's will for your life, you must get to know God. You can't keep God out there at the curb and believe that you're going to know his will. I don't know anybody like that. I, you know, I know my neighbors real well from across the street. No, I kind of know what they look like. I kind of know what they look like. I know what they drive, see their kids. But unless I actually come face to face and begin a relationship, I don't get to know them. Right? So to get to know God, to get to know God's will for your life, you have to get to know God. The number one question from Christians, the number one question from believers is, how can I know God's will for my life? The answer, not at a distance. The answer is not at a distance. So many people come to faith, believe, and quit because of this question. How can I know God's will for my life? And they never push all their chips in. They never open their hands up. They never open their heart up. I mean, I want to know God's will for my life. I'm not doing that, 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 that. Can't you just tell me what God's will is? Well, no, God's going to reveal that to you. And so there are two ways that you can know God's will for your life. Huge, huge. This changed everything for me. The general will of God and the specific will of God. Yes. The general will of God and the specific will. The general will of God, you know by His Word. You know by the Bible, unchanging universal truth. The specific will of God, you know by His voice. That comes with relationship. Example. If you want to know about marriage... The general will of God. If you want to know about marriage, it's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. He gave it to you. If you want to know God's specific will about marriage, it's not in there. I can't go and find Dusty Otis is going to marry Heather Haley on November 11th. That's not in there. That's specific. Okay? The specific will of God is not in the Bible. His general will is. If you want to know what job to take, where to live, which house to buy, that's not in the Bible. Those are specifics. You know those by listening to the Holy Spirit, listening to God's voice. But, but, however, how to operate a business, how to run your house, how to manage your finances, how to become a better husband, how to become a better father, how to become a better follower of Jesus. It's in there. It's in there. You can find God's general will in there. It's there right? It's in there. So how do you know the specifics? How do you know the difference between general and specific? You listen. You listen. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is who guides you in all truth, is what we talked about earlier, all truth. Yes, it takes prayer. Here's the thing though. If you want to know how to pray, it's in there. You can start in Matthew 6. If you want to know how to pray, it's in there. If you want to know what to pray, you don't have a clue. You want to pray, you you have to know His voice. Whose voice? The Holy Spirit's voice. Matter of fact, none of us know what to pray. We don't know what to pray. Yes, yes, there are predetermined prayers. There are prayers we read out of the Bible. 
There are prayers that men have made that we all rehearse, okay? There are those rituals that we do. And yes, we all have human wants. We all have human wants. But when it comes to knowing what to pray, we do not know. Let me show you. Let's take a look at Romans 8, 26 and 27. In the same way the Spirit comes to us, love the Amplified Bible. In the same way the Spirit comes to us and helps us in our weakness, we do not know what prayer to offer. At, when you get outside the Amplified, it says we do not know what to pray. It says we do not know what to pray. Or how to offer it as we should, but the Spirit Himself, but the Spirit Himself knows our need and at the right time intercedes on our behalf with sighs and groanings too deep for words. Who does that for us? The Holy Spirit. What's it say? We do not know what prayer to offer. We don't know what to pray without the Holy Spirit. We never know what to pray without the Holy Spirit. And the moment that we know, it's because He told us. That's it. Verse 27. And he who searches the hearts and the minds, oh, he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is because the Spirit intercedes before God on behalf of God's people in accordance with His will. Mind and will, those are the first two parts of a soul. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. He who searches hearts knows mind and spirit. So we talk mind and spirit in relation to your soul. Look here at verse 27. What's it say? This proves the Holy Spirit has a mind. It proves that the Holy Spirit has a will. So, the way that you're able to know the mind of God and the will of God is to know the person living in you who has the mind and knows the will of God. This is the only way. And it's easy. It's easy. And, and it's like anything else. It comes with reps, right? It comes with time. It comes with investment. It comes with commitment. It comes with a willing heart. And so you need to stay connected. You need to stay connected. Let's keep going. Only you can hear God for you. This is a big deal. Only you can hear God for you. Nobody else can hear God for you. They want to come and tell you, okay? And because we're uncertain of, of where we are a lot of times as human beings, we allow other people to tell us what we need to do, what we need to know, where we need to go, all of those things. Everybody would love to give you their opinion. Are they living? Well, the first thing that happens, the first thing you do is go, hmm, are you doing this for yourself? Are you living this way? Because the way you're telling me to live and the way that I see you run your life, those are different. Don't listen to those people. That's not God. God's not the author of confusion, right? And so then, nobody else can hear God for you. Now, can God give a pastor a word for you? Can God bring somebody alongside of you who's a best friend, who's been walking with you your whole life, who knows your blind spots, who knows your weaknesses, and say, hey man, I see this in you. You might want to check yourself here, Okay. Hey, I, I believe God put this on my heart to share with you. Does that happen? Yes. Yes, it does. And those are given from God's Spirit. Nobody's going to hear God for you except for you. Except for you. And so then, as many people as want to offer words and give wisdom and give counsel and iron sharpens iron, etc. The whole reason, the whole reason Jesus came was to reestablish your relationship with God, who is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. You cannot have a personal relationship with someone through someone else. 
Well, the only way to the Father is through the Son. Yes, it is. But what are we talking about? Three in one. Jesus is God. Holy Spirit is God. God is God. Three in one. Jesus came to reestablish that relationship. So then, should have highlighted this if you want to write this down. It's going to sound weird, but it's real. Your relationship with Jesus is with God, is with the Holy Spirit. Three in one. Jesus reestablished your relationship so you get God's Spirit, His Spirit. So you get God. You get them. You get them. There's no negotiator. There's no go-between. Because Jesus came and reestablished, you have a direct line to the Father. Through His Spirit, because Jesus came. There's no negotiator. When I met Heather, I saw her. She was working her way through college. And I'll never forget, um, I, was, I actually met my parents to eat that night. Heather was uh, paying her way through Bible college. And Heather walked by. And I told my mom, I said, hey, I'm going to marry a girl just like that. And, um, and at that time, Texas Roadhouse was our favorite place to eat. And so every Friday, that's where we went. And this is Middle America, Tulsa, Oklahoma, Bible Belt. Hey, everybody in, in Tulsa and Oklahoma, appreciate you. And um, I'll never forget the night I decided I'm going to talk to her. I'm going to talk to her. Our server um, was trying to do the work between. And I was like, hey, I'm just asking about her. I'm trying to get some background information. I'm trying to know who the new neighbor is. Where are they from? What do they believe, right? I'm trying to do that, that distance thing. Hey, uh, do you know her? Oh, yeah, yeah. Everything, she's really nice. And, and then she would go to Heather and she would say stuff. And Heather being as just solid, stubborn as she is, she's like, please, right? And Heather was getting phone numbers given to her every night just because she's just beautiful, right? And so I'm asking, and this girl is trying to work. She's trying to negotiate for us, right? And the reality was this. Third time my server came back, I knew. There's no way I'm going to date this girl through this girl. There's no way that can possibly happen. Man, I'm going to have to do this personally. By the way, this isn't personal. I'm making this as personal as I can through the screen. But we're a long ways away from each other. Thank God for the internet. Thank God. But nothing beats in-person gatherings as a church. So I had to do it personally. And so... I stayed after that night and I kind of followed Heather around as she was cleaning her section and wiping off. And she was kind of half mine and me because she was working, but she was interested. Okay. And we end up getting a date established. Okay. That's a different story for a different time. Why? I had to do it personally. There is no negotiator between you and God, just like there was no negotiator between me and Heather. You can know God if you get to know the Holy Spirit, but you only get to know Him personally. You only get to know Him personally, not through a negotiator. There's nobody that, there's, there's not an interpreter, okay? It's you and Him. It's you and Him. God's mind and God's will are known through God's Spirit. God's mind and God's will are known through God's Spirit. General will found in the Bible. Specific will heard from him, from his voice. So finally, 
We've discussed the makeup of the soul. Three parts, right? Mind, will, emotion. Let's talk emotion. The final thing I want you to see is the Holy Spirit has emotion. This is Galatians 5, 22 and 23. It's the fruit of the Spirit, the result of His presence within us. Man, that's huge. But the fruit of the Spirit, what? What is, what is that? I've heard that, don't know. It is the result of His presence within us. You have the Holy Spirit in you is love, which is unselfish concern for others. Whew, come on. God, I could talk about that for days. Joy, peace, patience, inner peace, by the way, inner peace. That's for you. Patience, not the ability to wait, but how you act while you wait. We've all been there. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. What I want you to see is all the fruits of the Spirit here are characteristics of a person who has a soul. The Holy Spirit is a person who lives inside of you. What are you saying, Dusty? A person, but the fruit of the Spirit, the result of His presence within us, loves. A person loves. A person has joy. A person has peace. A person has patience. Not a, not a, not a, not a power, not a force. Forces don't have any of these things. Okay? People have these things. People are kind. People are good. People are faithful. People are gentle. People have self-control. All the characteristics of the Spirit are of a person. The Holy Spirit's a person. He lives inside of you, can live once you receive Jesus. So last week we touched on grieving the Spirit. While we're talking emotion, I want to hit on this. So number one thing we got feedback on last week. I closed with it. Do not grieve the Spirit. Right? It's Ephesians 4.30. We're going to take a deeper look because we're talking emotion, which is the third part of, of, it's the third of the three, right? And so then do not grieve, do not grieve. We underline grieve here, the Holy Spirit of God, but seek to please him by whom you were sealed and marked, branded as God's own for the day of redemption. Park here in Ephesians 4. We're going to be here for a minute. This is how we're closing service. The final deliverance from the consequence of sin, right? He's branded you as God's own for the day of redemption. Your day of redemption, not the, we all look at, that's the day, not mine. No take ownership, it's yours. Okay, final deliverance. And so, do not grieve is what you see in that sentence. Don't grieve the Spirit. Grief, grief is an emotion. So what it's saying here is the Holy Spirit can be grieved, which means the Holy Spirit can have grief, an emotion. And when you look at this and you compare it to Galatians 5.22, you see the Holy Spirit has feelings. There are feelings here because there's grief, there's grief in Ephesians and there's joy in Galatians. Both emotions, the Holy Spirit has feelings. He has feelings. Now we're told, here's the thing, man, touching on another big topic. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. You're told that and then it's kind of just like put a period and we walk away. And then we know like, oh crap, I'm not supposed to do that. But what does that mean? So then, wouldn't you love to know what it means to grieve the Holy Spirit so you know what you can do and what you shouldn't do. What can I and what can I do? Because we know all of those things in the world, right? I know right now when I walk out of here what I can do and what I can't do. But when it comes to the Holy Spirit, when it comes to my relationship with the one who empowers me to live God's promises, how do I stay straight with him? How do I stay straight? Because we're not supposed to grieve him. So then uh, I don't want to grieve him. How do we find that out? You always find context for what God is saying to us through scripture. 
So let's go back to Ephesians 4.25. I'm in the Amplified. This is going to be on the lower half of the screen. You might just see this in me. I don't know where you're going to see it, but why it's going to make it happen. And, uh, and I'm going to try not to stutter or stumble or let me, let me wet my throat here. I hope this is good. I hope this is as good for you as it is for me, as it has been for me this week. Therefore, rejecting all falsehood. What is that? Lying, defrauding, telling half-truths, spreading rumors, anything such as these. I didn't make this capital. It's capital in the Amplified Bible. Speak truth, each one with his neighbor. For we are all parts of one another and we're all parts of the body of Christ. I could stop here and I could call so many people out right now because there are people who are okay with lying, defrauding, telling half-truth, spreading rumors, etc. And you understand that this grieves the Spirit because in capitals we see, speak truth, each one with his neighbor, for we, we are all parts of one another and we are all parts of the body of Christ. 26, be angry. Be angry what? at sin and immorality and injustice and ungodly behavior. Yet do not sin. Do not let your anger cause you shame, nor allow it to last until the sun goes down. Again, you want to know what grieves the spirit? Look at this. Sin, immorality, injustice, and ungodly behavior. If you're okay with those things, that grieves the spirit. Verse 27. And do not give the devil an opportunity to lead you into sin by holding a grudge or nurturing anger or harboring resentment or cultivating bitterness. What grieves the spirit? Giving the devil an opportunity, holding a grudge, nurturing anger, harboring resentment, cultivating bitterness. Dang. Verse 28. The thief. Get This is good news. The thief who has become a believer. Thank goodness must no longer steal, but instead must work hard, make an honest living, producing what is good with his own hands so that he will have something to share with those in need. What is he saying? Stealing, not sharing, grieves the spirit. 29, do not let unwholesome, what's that mean? Foul, profane, worthless, vulgar language. Words ever come out of your mouth. But only such speech is good for building up others according to the need and the occasion so that it will be a blessing to those who hear you speak. So it's a blessing to those who hear you speak. What grieves the spirit? Unwholesome, foul, profane, worthless, vulgar words. Are you okay with that? That grieves the spirit. Not sure how many people are with me right now. This is good. This is good. You want to know? The people who don't know tend to turn this off. They tend to walk away. They tend to unplug. Those people will not become better followers and they are going to miss what I'm going to share with you after this. Verse 30. We read this already. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, but seek to please Him by whom you were sealed and marked and branded by God's own for the day of redemption, the final deliverance of his cons- uh, from the consequences of sin. Let all bitterness and wrath, and anger, and clamor. What's that? Perpetual animosity, resentment, strife, fault-finding. What grieves the spirit? Bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, perpetual animosity, resentment, strife, fault-finding, and slander. Put them away. Put away every kind of malice, all spitefulness, verbal abuse, and malevolence. 
Put those away. That grieves the spirit. Be kind and helpful to one another. Tenderhearted, compassionate, understanding, forgiving one another readily and freely, just as God in Christ also forgave you. What do you see? What do you see in these seven scriptures? Lying would grieve the spirit. Giving place to the devil would grieve the spirit. Man, I would highlight these. You want to know what grieves the spirit is these things. Stealing would grieve the spirit. Not sharing, not giving would grieve the Holy Spirit. Unwholesome, corrupt words would grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Bitterness would grieve the Holy Spirit. Let's sum this up. What grieves the Holy Spirit? Sin. Sin. It's the only word I could find. All those things. Sin. Whenever a believer walks in sin, it grieves the Holy Spirit. It breaks his heart. Why? Why? Because the same love that the Father has for you is the same love the Spirit has for you. And when you walk in sin, it hurts you. He sees it. Just like we see it as parents to our kids. Don't do that. Don't do that. So many times the Holy Spirit has told us, hey, don't do that. You don't need another. You don't need that phone. You don't need that social media platform. You don't need that website. You don't need that. Don't do that. Don't do that. The same love that the Father has for you, the same love that the Son has for you, is the same love that the Spirit has for you. He's in you. And when you walk in sin, it hurts you. And that breaks his heart. In the same way, we respond to our kids, right? Ah, stop, stop. Isn't this what has sparked <laughs> every intervention that has ever happened on the face of the planet? Right? It's how we respond. You're doing this. It's going to hurt you. Don't do that anymore. I can see this is killing you. Stop. Please stop. All of us here are here to help you, to show you you don't want this for your life. Please. And what does that person over there end up doing? Getting defensive. Screw everybody here, man. Okay? I don't need any of y'all. And they walk away more alone, going to a stronger addiction as opposed to saying, you know what? Everybody here loves me. The Holy Spirit loves you. God loves you. Don't do this. Don't do this. That's all it is. And so in the intervention here in the physical world, we try to forbid, right? We try to forbid people because we see what they can't. The Holy Spirit sees what we can't. And it grieves Him. Think, think, about, think about that for a second. Grief. What is grief? Grief, this is, this is the end, right? This is the aha moment if there is. Grief is sadness that you feel when you lose intimacy with a human being, with a person. That is what grief is. That's not the official definition. Normally, we experience grief when we lose someone we love. We grieve because we lose somebody that we had intimacy with. Our relationship has ended. They moved on to a bigger, better place, hopefully. And we can't connect anymore. We can't converse anymore. And we're heartbroken. We're grieving. And we know, we know that we will see them again in heaven, but we still grieve. We still grieve because we don't have intimacy 
with them right now. I know that makes sense. I know it does. The Holy Spirit is making that make sense. Feel this today. Feel this today. If you understand what I just said about grief and what grieving is and losing intimacy with somebody, if you've experienced it before, then you now know and you now understand how the Holy Spirit feels when a believer walks in sin. That's what he feels. Now, here's the thing we have to be done being okay with. You don't lose your salvation when you sin. You lose your intimacy. That's what you lose. You don't lose your salvation. And the people who care like, ah, well, I'm still saved, so screw it, man. Let's go. You lose intimacy. You lose your intimacy with the Holy Spirit. And when you sin, the Holy Spirit knows He's going to see you again. You're going to heaven. By the way, you go to heaven not by what you do, but because of the grace God's given you. Go to heaven not by works, but by grace. Your salvation is a grace gift. God's grace, God's grace, God's grace, God's grace is what gets you to heaven. Don't take advantage of it. Don't grieve God's spirit. God's grace is the foundation we build our life on. Anything else that you build your life on is sinking sand. It's horrible. It's a horrible thing to build your life on. Build your life on God's grace. So then the Holy Spirit knows that He's going to have eternal fellowship with you because of your salvation. But as long as you walk in sin, He cannot have intimacy with you. And you cannot have intimacy with God. And that's what keeps that fake front up in front of us. That's what makes us say everything's okay. It's all good. I'm peachy. How are you? Great. And we go home to our addictions, to our problems, to our failures, to our loneliness. Fill in the blank. Because we lose that intimacy. And when you do that, you need to understand that the Holy Spirit is grieving. He's sad because He's lost intimacy with you. And you feel that disconnection too. And that's why, it's why you put the front up and everything is good. But the reality is, is you feel the disconnection. You feel the disconnection. You know the disconnection. And you turn to other sources for fulfillment instead of turning to the Father for forgiveness. Man. It's human nature. Fall down seven times, get up eight. Nobody's perfect. We've all fell short. He already knows. He wants that intimacy. And today, if you've lost that intimacy, if you've lost that connection, you're going to have a chance to reconnect here in just a moment. And in that connection, in that prayer that we pray, it's not a bait and switch. And it's not a only when you need it. It's not only because you feel conviction today. And it's not to be used um, only when it's, um, when it's necessary. It's to be walked in every day. And before I even go that far, I just want to say that most people want God's help when they need it, when they have to have it. And when they don't, they keep him at that distance because they like walking in their rubble. They like walking in, in whatever the, the niche is, okay? And those things that create sin, okay, in our life also create separation, also create that disconnect in our intimacy with God. And God says, 
I'm for you. I'm with you always until the end of the age. Until the end of the age. So please stop pushing me away because I love you and I'm here to help you. I am your helper. I'm your helper. As a matter of fact, I'm giving you my spirit, giving you my spirit. And so as we close, remember this. This is John 16, 8. And he, the Holy Spirit, when he comes, will convict the world about the guilt of sin, which is the need for a savior and about righteousness and about judgment. The Holy Spirit convicts us of three things. He does not condemn us. If you missed that, you need to go back and get last week's message. The Holy Spirit convicts us of three things, sin, righteousness, and judgment. You see it right there in John 16, 8. What are you saying, Dusty? He's going to convict you of sin, which means what? He's going to convict convict you of your need for a savior. It's not about what you did. It's about who you need. You need a savior. And once you accept the savior, he's going to to, um, convict you that you're in right standing with God. Righteousness. That's what that means, right standing. He's going to constantly remind you that God sees you as good, well-pleased, good. God is good with you. And once you believe that you're in right standing with God, he's going to convict you that Satan doesn't have any more authority over you. Judgment. There is no judgment. You have all authority because the Holy Spirit lives in you. Resist the devil and he will flee. So that, so that, get this, so that you can think like God thinks, desire what God desires, and you can feel how God feels. Hey, thanks so much for listening to today's message. I hope that God gave you revelation, that you were enlightened, and that you can see more of what God has for you. Make sure you take this message one step further by following through with our action steps so you can grow deeper in your relationship with God. If you want to know more about who we are or what's happening here at Redefined Church, you can visit us online at churchredefined.com. You can follow us on social media at Redefined Church, or you can subscribe to us on YouTube, Spotify, Vimeo, or Apple. Thanks for allowing me to be part of your life. I'll talk to you soon.